this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath relations between india and maldives seem to have hit a rough patch some turbulence was perhaps expected following the election of president mohammad muizu who was seen as pro china but recent statements from the maldives regime have raised concerns in new delhi first came some controversial remarks from maldivian politicians on prime minister modi's lakshadweep visit prompting a boycott maldives campaign on indian social media then came a joint press communique with china which committed to quote unquote elevating strategic cooperation between maldives and china This was followed by remarks from Muizu on his return from China that although Maldives was a small country it won't be bullied and that the Indian Ocean does not belong to any one country and that Maldives is not in anyone's backyard we may be small but that doesn't give you the license to bully us but the most disturbing development is Maldives giving India a March 15th deadline to withdraw all its troops from the island nation What exactly does this mean for India is it purely an effect of Maldives's domestic politics or should New Delhi be concerned about a long-term strategic shift in Maldivian foreign policy we discuss all these questions in detail in this episode of in focus and we have with us Meera Srinivasan who covers Maldives for the Hindu Meera welcome to in focus and thank you so much for joining us Thank you Sampath happy to be here So Amira I was wondering uh, to start with can you talk a little bit about President Muizu's China visit the big takeaways for it for Maldives uh, for China and this and this whole elevating strategic cooperation bit in particular Sure uh, to start with uh, President Muizu has uh, uh, signaled a sort of departure because most uh, Maldivian leaders would usually travel to India first of course he went to Turkey before that and later was in uh, the uae for the cop 28 summit and so on and from the maldivian government point of view this is a really successful visit he was given a red carpet welcome and high level meetings and uh, uh, an audience with uh, uh, very important business community members and so on in addition to a one on one with president ji himself so during this visit china and the maldives signed 20 memorandums of understanding spanning areas of infrastructure development tourism media uh, of course as you said they pledged greater strategic ties and so on and uh, uh, president muizu has also asked chinese tourists to reclaim their top spot in the arrival charts but uh, very importantly china has agreed to restructure debt that maldives owes china according to president when he returned to the maldives that's uh, one of the statements he made this is important because um, china holds uh, the biggest chunk of the maldives's external debt amounting to about 25.2% as of june 2023 this is according to the maldivian finance ministry data so for maldives this is all very important from china's point of view uh president muizu has pledged further support to the bri which would be very uh, uh significant for china and we also saw in the joint statement that 
China has said that it firmly opposes any external interference in the Maldives' internal affairs. And this uh, read along with President Musu's statement on his return, which you also mentioned, that uh, we won't be bullied by anyone, is again significant because he didn't mention India, but everyone knows who he was referring to. And then uh, Maldives has also said it will be part of China's global security initiative. Now, after Sri Lanka also affirmed commitment in October, this is again an important uh, gain for China's initiative. And uh, the two governments have agreed to drop a sort of action plan for building a comprehensive strategic cooperative partnership from 2024 to 2028. So these, I think, are the main takeaways for the two countries from the recent trip of President Musu. Right. Thank you for that, Mira. I mean, it's quite uh, a comprehensive sort of uh, a summary of this entire visit and what uh, sort of follows from that. And I was quite interested with this China's uh, statement that it opposes external interference of any kind and also uh, Maldives' interest uh, to join China's global security initiative. Both, uh, I think, very interesting to think about. But coming to the next development in this uh, context, I was wondering, what do you make of those uh, controversial, many would say derogatory remarks about PM Modi by senior Maldives politicians? I think some of them are actually ministers. I mean, they surely would have known that you can't make such uh, comments in public about another country, another, another head of state, or another uh, prime minister, your neighbor, that too. I mean, uh, w what do you think prompted uh, these kinds of comments in the first place? So it's hard to say that, you know, what specifically prompted those remarks in the wake of social media posts by the PMO and uh, within India about uh, the Prime Minister's visit to Lakshadweep. However, what we know is that uh, President Musu's co-political camp, many of whom, uh, you know, people who are part of it are now in his government, have been vocal in the India Out campaign in the Maldives that has uh, been building over the last few years. Except, as you say, it's intriguing how people holding public office thought it appropriate to post comments like that. We would, you know, um, understand if it came from party membership or from uh, people who are part of a political campaign, but these are people in government. So that was what made it even more uh, significant and consequential. And uh, we also know that some social media campaigns promoting Lakshadweep around PM Modi's visit sought to denigrate the Maldives, which I think was uncalled for. I mean, there was a way to promote uh, one destination without uh, putting down another, especially when the Maldives has been a really favorite destination for a lot of people in India. And Indian tourists have been topping arrival charts in the Maldives the last two years. And after this campaign on social media by groups in India, and then with the ministers, the deputy ministers, the three of them who made these comments, of course, they were suspended soon after and the Maldivian government distanced itself from their comments. But we did see a heightened attack on each other on social media, fueled by very aggressive and ultra-nationalist rhetoric. Uh, in a sense, it's unfortunate to see this kind of uh, deterioration in ties that too driven by this rhetoric because we know uh, that you know narratives of this sort of ultra-nationalism can be very, very um, exclusive and sometimes, uh, you know, hate-filled. So uh, it, it, it does put relations 
on a very precarious spot at this moment. Right, and and these uh, these comments sort of uh, uh, triggered or maybe were followed uh, by a boycott Maldives call on Indian uh, social media. So was it just a social media stunt, or do you think it could actually uh, this boycott campaign could actually make a difference, have an impact on tourism and the Maldives uh, economy? I mean, seeing how sometimes these orchestrated social media campaigns can work. Uh, you know, it is very likely that uh, some people uh, cancel bookings. We've seen media reports to that effect. Uh, and uh, this would impact the Maldives because, as we know, tourism is very central to its economy. It's a very crucial foreign exchange earning sector. And Indian tourists in particular have been very important to the Maldives during the last two years. As I told you, they are the largest number of uh, uh, tourist arrivals over this time. And uh, this was also significant because China used to be the, um, you know, topmost source market. But during the pandemic, Chinese tourists were not getting out. And in that context, India became the most important tourist market for the Maldives. So if this campaign actually, uh, you know, gains more ground and people take decisions like cancelling their bookings and, you know, deciding to go elsewhere, it would definitely have an impact on the Maldives, which is also why it's interesting to see that President Muzo makes a very, very important pitch during his visit to China, asking Chinese tourists to reclaim their spot as the highest number of uh, tourist arrivals to the Maldives. All this scene together gives us a sense of how important tourism is and these big markets are to the Maldives. Right. I mean, tourism definitely is, I think, the most critical uh, element of the Maldives economy. Now, coming to the most important uh, question uh, here in this for this uh, particular uh, podcast. So, what this March 15th deadline, I mean, where did this come from and what do you make of this? I think this deadline or ultimatum, um, in effect, from President Muzo, uh, I think, seeks to demonstrate that he is very serious about this demand which, as we know, was his chief poll pledge during his campaign before the September presidential elections. And it was also one of his first official statements as he was sworn in. So he's showing consistency in this demand. Okay, I, I campaigned around that demand, then I called for it in my first official speech. And here I'm giving a deadline, which means that I want to see this through. And I think it's important for him and his party to demonstrate that he's capable of fulfilling this pledge before they uh, face general elections, which is scheduled in March this year. So in that sense, this deadline is very important to him. And he's showing both his support base, his electorate and the people of the Maldives and New Delhi that he's very serious about this demand. So would, we, so would it be uh, fair to assume that this uh, March 15 deadline is, is clearly uh, a compulsion born of uh, whatever this election election uh, coming in March. I think the elections are on March 17th and he has given a March 15th deadline. And if India complies with it, it's going to be a big boost for him, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. So the timing is very interesting. And uh, uh, of course, his party is yes, yet to hold primaries and it's a very fragmented polity. Uh, we could perhaps talk about that later. But uh, yes, it's it's important for him, this deadline in that context. If he's able to achieve it, as you say, it would really uh, be a big boost to his uh, party's campaign ahead of the parliamentary elections. 
So, w- would it make any material difference? I mean, just hypothetically uh, speaking, would it make any difference at all to India if it did withdraw? I mean, there are some ninety soldiers, yeah. and we don't it's not very clear why they are uh, so uh, absolutely necessary to be uh, there. So, when I mean, put another way, wh- what does India stand to lose if we did withdraw uh, those ninety soldiers uh, by March fifteenth, as as Maldives wants? Sure. So the uh, according to the Maldivian government, yes, there are about 88 troops stationed in the Maldives. And New Delhi has maintained that uh, their primary role is uh, technical and that they are there, um, you know, predominantly because uh, the, the, you know, helicopters and aircrafts gifted by India need to be maintained. And therefore, these soldiers are stationed for that purpose. Um, now, I think if... Um, India were to withdraw these soldiers, it would be definitely a major diplomatic setback. It shows that, uh, or it would show that Delhi um, couldn't convince the Maldivian leadership and his supporters that the role of the troops was merely technical. Uh, And uh, also seen in the context of the Maldives being a member of the India-led Colombo security conclave, of course, Maldives did not attend the last meeting, which was also um, noticed. Uh, And also alongside uh, President Muzo's pledge to elevate strategic ties with China. So in this context, in this setup, it will make a very uh, crucial difference to India, India's uh, strategic uh, relevance in the Maldives and the the partnership in defense and strategic uh, uh, areas. Right. So, so you're saying it's pretty clear that it, it would be a diplomatic setback of sorts given the context of a strategic cooperation with uh, China. Definitely. Uh, and India wouldn't really want to do that. So what happens if India does not meet the March 15th deadline for withdrawing its soldiers? Well, what happens and what are Maldives' options? What could happen? Um, it is hard to say very precisely at this time. Uh, we have to wait and watch if the two countries adopt a conciliatory approach or go on a path of confrontation. That's very important to uh, follow over the next couple of months up to this deadline. Uh, if we look at the most recent official statements from both sides, uh, after the you know first high-level core group meeting was uh, held a few days ago, it it showed that you know the two sides uh, are taking visibly different positions on this question of uh, troops and that there's a long way before arriving at a consensus. Um, For instance, the operative part from the Maldivian Foreign Ministry's statement said that, quote, both sides expressed willingness to intensify cooperation and agreed to fast-track the withdrawal of Indian military personnel, close quote. Now, they are uh, acknowledging that uh, they want to intensify cooperation, but in the same breath, you're hearing that there is an agreement to fast-track troops withdrawal. But on the Indian side, the Ministry of External Affairs said, quote, both sides also held discussions on finding mutually workable solution to enable continued operation of Indian aviation platforms that provide humanitarian and medvac services to the people of Maldives. Now, uh, how do we read these two together? Because uh, one side is saying there is agreement to withdraw Indian troops swiftly and the other makes no mention of it. So it's going to be interesting to see how they work around this question and navigate uh, this, uh, you know, particular challenging element for both sides before March 15th. I think that's what we have to follow closely. 
Right. I mean, I, mean, I, I just heard your uh, readout of the Indian uh, statement. I was just wondering, I mean, it, while it doesn't make any reference to troop withdrawal, it does say that, uh, you know, a mutually workable solution to keep Indian aviation stuff going on there. So maybe some way of keeping it going without Indian troops being there is is there on the table without being explicit, being made explicit, I suppose. Perhaps. I mean, uh, from diplomies, uh, this is what we can glean at the moment. <laughs> we have to see uh, what actions follow this statement to understand what they really meant. And, uh, you know, even um, sort of uh, background channels have been very hard to access this time because most people are very tight-lipped given the sensitivity of the matter. So, uh, yeah, look forward to uh, following what happens uh, now onwards up to March 15th. Right. right. So, Mira, earlier you mentioned about the highly fragmented polity uh, in Maldives and we have this parliamentary election schedule for March 17th. And I think as of today, I think the Muizu's party is, I think, a very, uh, has got a very minor representation in parliament. I think the opposition is, is in majority. And I think uh, for President Muizu winning this parliamentary election is going to be very important. So can you talk a little bit about the domestic political situation as a background to this crisis? What, what exactly is the landscape there? Sure. Uh, from the run-up to the presidential elections in September, we saw um, several sort of fallouts and sort of reconfiguration of the Maldivian political scape. For instance, former President Nasheed split with, uh, uh, you know, President uh, Ibrahim Mohamed Soli and then started his own party called the Democrats. And then President Yamin was uh, with the uh, uh, President Muzu at that time backing him. But after his election, President Yamin has also decided to split uh, from that uh, political camp and has started his own political vehicle. So what we are seeing is, uh, as you rightly said, a very fragmented uh, polity. And uh, what this means uh, for the general election will be significant because, as you said, the Maldivian Democratic Party of President Soli uh, still holds a, a major chunk of the parliament with its allies. And uh, whether there will be any big reconfiguration is hard to say at this time because we would, you know, expect the MDP or what's left of the M MDP, which is a bigger chunk than any other breakaway faction, to uh, rally around President Soli. And they have also been putting out statements uh, challenging the current president's position on India. So uh, India will also closely watch this space and uh, this general election will also be crucial for President uh, Musu to consolidate power in parliament. What he's able to do to win allies within the legislature is to be seen. At this time, he's got, as you say, a small but very uh, dedicated support base. But we don't know the political costs of President Yamin's split from this camp as yet. So we have to watch how that takes shape. So would it, would it sort of tie President Muizu's hands in a way, so to speak, if he doesn't have a parliamentary majority? Or it doesn't matter? It could. In fact, uh, we are seeing on social media and some statements from members of the MDP that they will not hesitate to have an impeachment motion targeting him. So there are possibilities of uh, President Muizu facing you know, greater challenge uh, in terms of his political standing. 
but uh, it's it's a bit early to comment on that. We have to see how the campaign shapes up, whether there are going to be some unexpected alliances. So uh, we have to wait and watch. Right. Uh, one last question, Mira, before uh, we wrap up. We, uh, we have sort of uh, taken a close look at this recent deterioration in relations between India and Maldives. When India is uh, is a much bigger geopolitical presence in the region compared to Maldives here. So some would argue that India, uh, the onus is on India to sort of you know take charge of this entire crisis situation and and do whatever is needed or what it can to put the relations back on a good footing. So if we if you take that line, what what do you think? Uh, what are India's options? What can India to do? Uh, to mend relations and, and, and get it back to where it was. India is and will continue to be a very important partner for the Maldives because of the proximity and the history. Uh, and of course, the geography, uh, because as I said, the proximity is very central to all this. So in 2018, when President Soli was in power, New Delhi pledged a financial assistance uh, package of US $1.4 to the Maldives. And many of these projects of course, they've been delayed during delay. There's been some delay during the COVID years. They're ongoing community projects. So focusing and completing, uh, focusing on and completing these projects will be very important to strengthen India's credibility among Maldivian people, who, uh, you know, despite these campaigns, they have very very close relations to India. They have familial ties. They frequent India for education, health purposes, training. So. Uh, you know, these community people-centric projects are going to be important, the pace at which uh, India is able to complete them. And then I suppose India alone can't fix what's happening right now. It, it's going to take two to tango. So both New Delhi and Malay must recognize the importance of this partnership and strive for something more constructive and based on mutual respect. But how the two countries will navigate the next two months is going to be important uh, in determining the strength of ties going forward. So Muzu, President Muzu has said that, uh, you know, Maldives is a small country, but will not be bullied. I mean, people attribute different motives to the statement, given its timing, given, you know, the tone of the statement, but just taking it at face value. I think uh, it's important uh, for New Delhi also to demonstrate that it's a thoughtful partner Despite the asymmetry, that's very evident. I mean, it's evident with all our neighbors, isn't it? With Sri Lanka, with so many other uh, smaller countries, the asymmetry is uh, hard to miss. But uh, I think New Delhi will stand to gain if it's able to successfully establish that the Maldives is an equal partner and that its democratically elected leader is an important, uh, uh, you know, leader to deal with uh, as an equal partner. So. That kind of messaging and uh, that kind of, uh, you know, sort of demonstrating that uh, position, I think, will uh, be in India's favor as they go forward, strengthening ties with not just the Maldives, but with all our neighbors. Right. I mean, thank you for that, Mira. I think uh, you're, you're absolutely right there uh, when you point out that uh, India has to demonstrate at any rate that it is a thoughtful partner and it considers Maldives as an equal uh, partner. And I think navigating uh, these asymmetric uh, relationships, asymmetric kind of connections with its neighbors. I think it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a specialist kind of a, a skill set for a country of India's size. And I think uh, we need to be able to uh, 
a mastered that approach here. And I think, but as, but as you also said, it takes two to tango, and the next two months uh, are going to be crucial, at least until the election get over and we see what uh, follows from those electoral uh, results. Thank you once again, Amira, for joining us and for sharing your uh, informative and useful comments, insightful comments on this uh, particular uh, issue. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sampat. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.